Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, before we jump into the show, this week is um, a a show that is really, um, really important, uh, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Jen and I go into a lengthy discussion about um, the most important thing to think about when thinking about a better way and a better strategy about your diet, and it's not which particular diet to follow, it's when should I be eating, not necessarily what should I be eating? I can't wait for you to hear it. Take care. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wenzel, and I am joined with my lovely and talented co-host, Jen Justice. Hey, Jen. Hey, how are you doing? Amazing. Amazing. This week, we're going to be talking all about a better way to be thinking about your diet. We are really excited about jumping into this topic. Um, what many people don't know, Jen, is that you and I first met in the weight loss space. That's right. Like six years ago. Or more, maybe. You lose count, but I always say six years. <laughs> Three, six. <laughs> Math is not a perfect science. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, we spent a long time in the obesity space, both mm-hmm. taking different paths that intersected um and and really passionate about weight right and people who struggle with weight so to say that we have been interested in diet as it pertains to weight management really is an understatement this Mm -hmm. is this is i don't know there's probably not a topic that we're we've spent more time talking about thinking about certainly helping patients with would you say oh yeah definitely so the main idea of uh, behind this particular episode is really it's really rooted in a shift that has taken place in my mindset mm-hmm. and anybody who's paid attention to me for maybe more than a couple of months probably has um, well, I suppose if you've paid attention to me longer than a couple of months, you'll have seen and noticed my my focus. An energy around diet has it's subtle, but it is significant, it has mm-hmm. changed a little bit. <clears throat> and it's really about this idea that uh, we probably need to be moving our focus, our primary focus, off of what we're eating and potentially moving it to when we are eating. Right. I am, um, I've been talking a lot about this, um, not really loud, but, but certainly recently has started to get louder from me Mm -hmm. because my understanding and conviction around this is kind of like I went from completely underestimating when we should eat Mm -hmm. and only focusing on what we eat. And as when we should eat started to increase in its significance, as I was seeing it, uh, I started asking myself kind of behind the scenes, could I be could I be wrong? Could I have the wrong priorities here and really be 
thinking about this incorrectly. Mm -hmm. After all, the rest of the world thinks about what you should be eating. Matter of fact, all day long, I get told what I should eat. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the number one question we get in the exam room when we meet with our patients is, well, what should I be eating? Or maybe they say, I know what I should be eating, but I don't really do it consistently. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when to eat never comes up. No, and it doesn't come up. Outside of the clinic either. You go down the grocery store aisle, you go to the Barnes and Noble, and everywhere you look, there is an expert telling you some other thing you should be eating Mm -hmm. and why. And it feels really dumb for my – when I look at my own, I'm like, gosh, how did I get lured into this? Well, there's a lot of – overwhelm and mm-hmm. confusion around diet i feel you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of different programs out there there's a lot of different gurus kind of spouting what they feel is the truth yep. um you know if it fits your macros you know mm-hmm. um or uh keto is the only way to go so it's just there's a lot of noise and confusion around and some nutrition of the opinions right are now. opposite of yeah. each other yeah so like if you don't have a firm grasp grasp of nutrition and biochemistry it's no wonder most people are just confused out of their mind yeah the scientist in me it's embarrassing to to admit it but it's worth pointing out how embarrassed i am seeing i mean one of my fundamental beliefs is that if everything is important that means nothing's important Mm. a different version of that is if you can have a hundred people tell you a hundred different ways to lose weight through what you put in your mouth, it should automatically raise a higher level question, which is then there's probably something else more important than what you put in your mouth. If you can get to the top of that mountain through any one of a hundred pathways, right? A far bigger question is when should we be eating? Mm-hmm. And One of my uh, physician um, uh, influences, I would call it, a guy that I look up to a lot and and pay a lot of attention to the content that he's producing, his name is Peter Atiyah. Oh, yeah. You know all about Peter. And he he really is um, on a short list of physicians um, that I pay a lot of attention to. And I was reading through some of his content a few months back, and I thought he did – the most elegant job of describing how he thinks about nutrition in the way he creates content and the way he shares it with his people. Mm-hmm. And he, he references that essentially this can be thought of as three levers. There are three levers at play and lever one is dietary restriction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, dietary restriction is only one of the three levers, but every diet you've ever heard of, is a dietary restriction. So it's low fat, it's low carb, it's um, it's it's keto, it's South Beach, it's Atkins. Mm-hmm. These are all different dietary restrictive strategies that in some form of your diet restrict something. Mm-hmm. But they're all only changing the dietary component. Right. The second lever is what he calls the caloric restriction. You know, putting somebody in a cell and shutting the door and not feeding them works. 
mm-hmm. you will lose weight because of caloric restriction. Uh, regardless of what you put in your mouth, if you deprive enough calories, you will lose weight. Yeah. Um, and then the third lever is something he calls time restriction. Um, <clears throat> and so we've got these three layers of air where you could restrict something mm-hmm. as part of your strategy. And time is one that is not talked about hardly ever, but this notion of, all right, well, we could talk about what we're going to restrict from our diet and we could talk about how many calories we're going to consume or restrict from your diet. But rarely is it ever talked about, well, what type of time are we going to allow ourselves to consume? And I just love this because it helps organize what I have. I thought I did a pretty good job of explaining this, but I think Peter does an even better job with this, this model. And I, I shared that with you recently. Do you have any thoughts about? I think for me, it was really <laughs> profound because I've never thought about it in like a systematic way like that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I personally have always done maybe only one lever or lever, he says lever, lever at a time, right? (laughs) Uh Like calorie restriction was the biggest one that I've done the longest amount of time. And now I can clearly see that, uh, you know, for long-term weight maintenance and and weight loss even, you have to do at least two at a time. Is that what he says? Well, his point is, is that unless... Unless you're pulling on at least one, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be in a net gain. Right. So if you're just kind of like dietarily not restricting anything calorically, you're not really counting calories, you're not really restricting anything, and you kind of just eat whenever you want, you're going to be in a net positive mm-hmm. weight gain situation, likely. Right. And that most people need at least one of those levers being pulled on at all times, Mm -hmm. whether it's time restriction, caloric restriction, or dietary restriction. And he goes on to say that the majority of people need at least two at one time Mm -hmm. if they want active weight loss. So one, one lever being pulled constantly in order to not gain. Mm -hmm. So in more of a a maintenance or, uh, you know, I'm just kind of in a holding pattern. I'm fine with my weight, fine with my nutrition. Likely those people have at least one area that they're focusing on. Mm -hmm. But if you actually want to go into an active weight loss situation that you need to pull down on a second lever. Mm -hmm. And um, I love this. uh, And I know you love it because I know your brain and you like to organize things. And this is very clean. Yeah. And it's a way to chunk things down in a way that takes very, very complex biochemistry, tons and tons of toxic emotions, Mm -hmm. limiting beliefs, and like past failures. And, you know, I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. No, you've probably tried like four things a hundred (laughs) times. Right. You know, know, it, it, for me, it immediately gives the framework to eliminate or at least reduce overwhelm and give a real... Um, a structure to the thoughts. Yeah. One of the things that I love about this model is that when you look at time restricted eating, which is kind of back to the purpose of this show, which is it's probably the most important question to be asking uh, that when you restrict the amount of hours in a day that you are exposing your body to a fed state, you by default are, uh, 
time restricted. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Right. So you're leaving your body exposed to no readily available energy. So you have to go into your energy stores, which is ideal. Mm-hmm. And you are calorically restricting. Mm-hmm. So you're actually, if you were just to pull on a singular lever and you pulled hard on time restriction, you are actually pulling on two. Right. It's almost like they're connect- connected. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I love that. Now, you could out-eat calorically in a one feast a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not automatic that you're going to be in a caloric deprivation if you time restrict. But it sure sets you up for a potential day where you're calorically restricting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... You, you've been around, you're around all the time, so you hear me ranting about fasting lately. It's, it's, it is the topic I'm most fascinated with. It, it, is, it is the number one. We've produced several podcast episodes. There are most popular, asked about, requested episodes. People want to know about this phenomena. And what happens is, is that if you, if you get fasting down, you're pulling on those two levers. Yeah. Then if you also go into the dietary restriction lever and say, for me, based on my goals, my taste, my practical elements, which one of these dietary strategies or dietary restrictive strategies make the most sense for me? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel better vegan. Well, go for it. I feel better keto. I feel better paleo. I feel better, better Mediterranean. I feel better balanced. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have great results because – you're restricting your time eating and you're restricting your calorie eating. Um, so I, I just think, you know, it's about time to start asking better questions. Yeah. You know, better questions yield better answers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I know about our clientele, they really have good questions. They sure do. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, I think they count on us to help them think about even better questions to be asking. And I'm really excited about this episode because one of the questions I would love to pose to all of our uh, private patients and anybody listening to this is I would love for you to think about the following. Could it be possible that if I shifted my focus and my attention on when I'm eating as opposed to primarily what I'm eating, the impact that that could have on your life. Yeah. Well, I think both of us have been pretty successful at that this past year. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know for me personally, um, fasting has made a huge difference in my appetite, my fat loss, you know, how I work out. You're being incredibly modest. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Gen Gen Justice (laughs) is killing it. Yeah, well, I try. (laughs) Well, except on days that I do a 24-hour fast, and yeah. then you're like, are you fasting? Generally because I'm, fasting. I'm a little angry. <laughs> but we're getting better at that. Well, there's an adaptation for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to yeah. get – humans who are used to being fed all the time, Yeah. when you make them go, go and stay in an unfed state on purpose, you have to get used to feeling a little like – uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortable. <clears throat> Let's just call it adapting. <laughs> yeah, and, and but I don't. I don't think either of us would ask our patients to do anything no. we haven't already done. Well, I think that's around what, diet. I yes, mean, you know, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I'm. In so many ways, I'm so proud of the things that we like to talk about. Is that we're not just 
regurgitating a headline mm-hmm. and trying to sound fancy or smart. I mean, this is our, we are just like you. We, we, we're on this journey. We're, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure this out. We're, we're uncovering new truths. And, um, I personally feel like this is the best time to be alive in a way. Like we know no so doubt. much about more about nutrition and biochemistry than we ever did. I mean, looking back when I first met you, one of your Wenzelisms <laughs> was insulin is the devil. And I just, I wrote that down and mm-hmm. underlined it and circled it because I learned all about insulin in nursing school, mm-hmm. but the way you explained it in relationship to diet made complete sense to me. And that was a game changer. It was like, wow, yeah, it's about blood sugar control and yes. and controlling those insulin spikes. Uh, and now we've added the layer of time-restricted eating to it, which is... Which is an incredible insulin sensitizer. Yes. It is an incredible I mean, both of us have antidote. gotten lab work done recently, yeah. and mine uh, much, much improved. I just looked before. at mine this morning. Mm-hmm. The... Um, I, I, you know, I, one of the drawbacks of creating content as a physician like this, where I make a stand, is in some at some point in the future, if if I'm saying something contradictory, then I have to expose myself to being wrong. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and thankfully, I don't mind being wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I am hopelessly curious. I am obsessed about identifying things that matter and ignoring things that don't matter. Mm -hmm. And then on things that matter, I want to go deep, 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 deep. And I don't know that I haven't ranked them, but this is certainly in the top three to five topics to not get wrong. Mm -hmm. And I have people all the time, Dr. Winslow, you're saying now that fasting is more important than eating a low carb diet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but you used to say that low carb diet was, and that we sh- you should never skip breakfast, and you had all these things that kind of snack or snack in between yeah, meals. Yeah, yeah, like but make sure there are low carb snacks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That under the umbrella of the religion of low carb, um, I was blind to any other doctrine that would be beneficial or true. Mm-hmm. And my simple answer is, yeah, I did say that, and now I'm saying this. I changed my mind. Yeah. I, I now know more. I understand better. Uh, and this is not for this episode, but my understanding of cholesterol in the last 60 days has gone to another stratosphere. Yeah. And it has fundamentally broken the way that I think about this. And I already kind of thought that I thought about it, not like most people, which I can't wait to create some content around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I love growing and I love learning. And then as soon as I learn, I'm like an evangelist. I can't wait to go out and tell the world, have you heard? Yeah. Did you know? Here's how it can help you. Like, and I'm, I I just, I get so excited about this topic. I'm telling every one of my patients one-on-one, have you heard of intermittent fasting? What are your thoughts on it? Here, here's some content we've created around it. You know, it, and here's the beautiful thing, right? The way you fast is not the way I fast. Right. It doesn't have to be the same. There is no gold standard. Mm-hmm. You, the longer you can go without f- putting your body in a fed state, the more access to your fat stores your body will have. Yeah. The end. Like at its most basic level, it can be whatever you need it to be and it can be different every day. Mm-hmm. I find that more of our 
new patients coming into the practice are doing it though. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I call them to schedule and and we we're scheduling fasting blood work and I say, you know, you may want to do a morning appointment because we require fasting. They're like, oh, I I I don't eat my first meal until one or two anyway. Yeah. Well, so. that's because I'm not the only one. There are a lot of really smart people who have been pumping fasting benefits mm-hmm. far beyond weight loss. Yeah. Many, many people's first introduction to the concept of fasting is through the eyes of, I need to lose some weight. Right. Many of our patients don't have any weight to lose. They might have some percentage body fat they're trying to trim up, but they're already fasting. Yeah, because they feel amazing. Yes. And there are other incredible benefits Mm -hmm. for fasting. One of the things that I like to think about when, when, when I start to talk with people about this and they begin to experiment with it, even you... Almost universally, I hear it's so easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so easy. It's and look at. I mean, you just light up. When you, <laughs> I, w- I wish you guys could see her face, but she's like, it's so easy, shaking her head. Uh, it. When you can eliminate unnecessary decision making, and that frees you up to use your creativity and your energy and your decision making mechanisms on things that are more critical, it, it has an unexpected benefit mm-hmm. um, rather than what am I going to eat and the meal planning and the prepping and the like, you just, it eliminates that fatigue. Right. And back on a very early Wenzel belief is that the, the purpose of the human body is to keep you alive. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we boil everything down, why are things the way they are? It is an effort to make sure that you don't die. Mm -hmm. And the way that you stay alive is that you have energy. And so really, everything in our biochemistry, in our neurology, and in our physiology is designed around acquiring or creating energy, Mm -hmm. using it, and storing it. That really, and there are arrows that connect to all of those things. I've actually never drawn that out, but that, that's how I think about that. And if we are stressed and overwhelmed about what we are going to consume for food and for nutrition, it is like an app running in the background, draining your decision-making processes that leave you fatigued by the end of the day. And here are the things that I know about humans that are fatigued. They make terrible decisions with food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just give me a pizza. Right. I'm just so tired. Whatever. I'm just whatever. I deserve. Like, uh, we fill in the blank of the rationalization. Why are the fast food drive throughs always Correct. busy the- every minute of the day, it seems? <laughs> And you know exactly what you're going to get. Yep. It's not going to be a great burger, but it's going to be fast. You know exactly what it's going to be, and it's going to meet a need. It's going to take away your hunger pains, and you can move on. Mm-hmm. And when I look at other really, really successful people, as I, because this is what I do when I get excited, I, I dig into thoughts and kind of see, is anybody else thinking what I'm thinking? Do you know Jeff Bezos? I heard this on a podcast that I was listening to. I had no idea. Jeff Bezos does not make any critical decision-making decisions after 12 noon. Wow. Every day. He gives him, he knows that he is best in the morning and he only makes critical decisions before the lunch hour. After the lunch hour, it's going to wait till the morning. Number one, it gives him time to marinate on it, but he also knows he's going to have his best version of his brain Mm -hmm. on it in the morning. 
That's amazing. He just refuses to make a decision. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Then you have other people like Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. You have Steve Jobs and even Mark Cuban. These guys are all notorious for basically, well, Zucks and uh, Jobs basically wore like the same outfit Mm -hmm. every day. And they both were quoted as saying, why would I waste any energy on picking an outfit? <laughs> right. That thought process. I, I only am able to make so many good decisions in a day, and I'm not going to make my first decision what I'm wearing. Uh, as a female, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And I've even, Mark Cuban, <laughs> goes so far as to say basically, like, if you wear a suit to a work, you're a loser, <laughs> which is a little harsh. But his point is... There's a lot of effort oh, that yeah. goes into the pocket square, the tie, the cufflinks, no cufflinks. Do mm-hmm. I do these shoes, brown belt, socks, you know, the whole thing. There's a lot of energy yeah. put into an outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, Mark puts no effort in his outfits. He wears T-shirts <laughs> and jeans, which is totally cool. That's his thing. But I, I think I think the point is these really, really, really um, powerful people who make – unbelievable level decisions that impact potentially the planet. Mm -hmm. They understand that they are only capable of making so many decisions and where they can simplify and automate, whether it's from diet or outfit or car or workout, or they just automate it because they don't want to be sapped. Right. Um, I found a funny study that I think you'll get a kick out of that displayed this notion of decision fatigue, Mm -hmm. which is a real thing. And I think intermittent fasting really preserves your decision-making. It wards off decision fatigue. Yeah. This is a real thing. And, uh, there was a study around 2010, 2011, there was, um, They basically looked over a 10-month period of time at over 1,100 judicial rulings. And the the basic premise is that there was a parole board judge who was going to determine – and these these crimes were across the board from petty to, like, felon. Mm -hmm. Um, They they were in regard to – they were basically just – evaluating the time of day that these people went into court and a favorable ruling towards parole and like rehabilitative type alternatives versus an unfavorable ruling, which could be anything from prison to worse. Mm -hmm. Here's what's interesting. In the hours immediately as at the start of the day, there was a 65% chance of a favorable ruling in the first hour or so of the day when judge was fresh. Oh, my gosh. And there was a precipitous decline in the hours leading up to the lunch hour. Mm-hmm. Fatigue. Then, in the hour immediately following the lunch break, there was another 65% probability of a favorable outcome and they define favorable outcome as like non-jail non-other thing okay so that the the hours from like one to two in the afternoon mirrored the hours of like eight to nine in the morning and they precipitously fell off to where basically if you're coming in at 4 p.m you're hosed (laughs) isn't that interesting that is so interesting and then this is like 10 months 
1,100 cases. Wow. And the, the graph, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's a fascinating graph. Like, you can't even make this stuff up. It's yeah. really fascinating. Just kind of... It just speaks to, uh, you know, decision fatigue, right? Yeah, and it's fun to put, like, a fancy term on it. But, I mean, who doesn't identify with that? Yeah. By the end of the day, like, I'm done. Close the laptop. I'm going home. Like, I can't make another decision. Mm-hmm. In the Wenzel home, one of the f- funniest, most common conversations that happens is after a long day, especially if I've worked, like, a long ER day or mm-hmm. something put the kids down and my wife looks at me and says what do you want to watch do you want to watch something <laughs> on TV what do you want to watch and I'll just look at her and say honey I just need you to decide <laughs> I, I literally I have cannot, made a million decisions I today can, <laughs> I say the following words I cannot make one more decision yeah fatigue because mm-hmm. I don't build bridges and dig ditches and I, I my work is has physicality to it, but I get paid to think. Yeah. And I get paid to make decisions That's and right. make them fast and at volume and at scale. And by the time I'm off, I, my, my noggin is like fried. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and so th- this is kind of um, fascinating. Any thoughts on decision fatigue for you personally, maybe um, as it pertains to fasting? Yeah. For me, it just, like you said, it eliminates that one meal that I have to think about. Uh, every day. And so, you know, before I was so worried about breakfast, what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat it, um, meal prepping, how that was going to all happen. And, you know, my husband and I go to the grocery store together and um, we make our list out ahead of time, of course. And he is a breakfast eater. But for me, it's like, I don't need anything for breakfast anymore. I just start with lunch and move on. So it's really, really helped me in that regard. What does fasting look like for Jen Justice? Um, like currently, just and it does again. The beauty of it is there is no right answer. I'm just yeah. curious how it how it's being applied in your day to day. Well, I you know I'm working with Zane, a past guest on your show. We have a weekly accountability call, which has really helped me. Um, yes. And so what we've decided together that works best for me is that I will do time restricted eating um, four days out of the week. So my husband and I usually finish our dinner or eat dinner no later than I would say seven at the very, very latest. We're usually eating dinner oh, that's early. Well, he gets off work at like two thirty, So he's mm-hmm. really and hungry. You have a great boss that always lets you go home. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the best boss. Uh, so anyhow, uh, we're, you know, early dinner people. So then I will, um, do my time restricted window and eat my first meal between noon and two, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, and then for one day out of the week, I try, and I don't always get there, but I try to do a 24-hour fast. And those are the days that I'm grumpy here. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Spicy. Spicy, that's right. That's a better word. <laughs> um, but I'm getting better at that. You know, at first, I couldn't make it the full 24 hours, and I would, um, you know, maybe just make it until 3 o'clock. But yeah. then it got it, it gets easier. Um, and and then on the weekend, I don't follow the intermittent fasting or the time-restricted eating. But, and you know, by the if we sleep in or maybe we have a late brunch or something. The point is you're making the rules. Yeah. Which is good. Right. Where are you seeing benefits? Um, well, definitely with fat loss. Um, you know, we have the luxury of having the body comp machine here. So mm-hmm. hopping on that and seeing the body fat go down has really been gratifying for me. For me personally, uh, totally wipes out my mm-hmm. cravings and appetite. 
Um, you know, that was the first thing I noticed right off the bat. And I've toyed with other forms of fasting with meal replacements that mm-hmm. we have used in the past um, in our obesity space, um, but never really achieved the the reduction in cravings to where I didn't go home and want to raid the refrigerator or the cabinet and eat something unhealthy. And you're doing this with real food. Yes, real food. Not with something made in a lab. Right. Which yeah. was always my rub with what we were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were getting people to lose a bunch of weight, but at some point they have to eat food. Mm-hmm. And Well, and that was designed to eliminate all decisions, right? Like yeah. you talk about decision fatigue, people that come in that are on the standard yeah, American yeah. diet and they're eating, you That's know. That's why they work. Uh-huh. A lot of carbohydrates, a lot of, and they're, you know, really insulin resistant. Um, their cravings are off the chart and, and you need to really hone down their decisions to where they only eat certain things, then it works. Um, the problem that you bring up is when they adapt off of that onto real food, it can be a challenge. And that, that's where the challenge lies with, with that type of program is, um, you know, the temptation or the, the um, if it's not done correctly, and most patients don't do it correctly, uh, they just go back to the way they were eating. Yeah. So, and, you know, the other thing for me is, Blood sugar normalization, right? I mean, mm-hmm. my hemoglobin A1C was borderline. I mean, I wasn't in the was pre, pre-diabetic pre range, but know. it was 5.6. I mean, it Not had, as low as you want it. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. I mean, always room to improve that. Mm-hmm. And um, um, it's much improved now, 5.3. I would like it to be lower, but we're getting there. Right. It's, the right move. it's the right direction. Mm-hmm. And how big is momentum in this journey, right? It's basically everything. Oh, yeah. Sticking to it. Mm-hmm. The, the fire... To keep going, the the, the drive. And it's to easy. <laughs> I mean, when I meet people that they want to know, you know, how many macros should I eat, and what's my percentages, and uh, you know, how do I count them, and how do I track my food in an app, which I do use an app to track my food, but um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's for me to be accountable to myself of what I put in my mouth, not really because I have a macro goal. Right. It's it's more so you can have optics into right. what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, point counting points, and I'm not a total totally against Weight Watchers. I have a patient that has lost 25 pounds on that program, and I would never um, suggest that she stop that. However, she may get to a point where she loses momentum and we have to switch mm-hmm. gears. But... Um, you know, I, I think that for me personally, having done a lot of different diets in my past, it's it's just uh, been a game changer in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to propose a question to you. Sure. Let's pretend I'm the next person you come in contact with. And my question is, Jen, what's the best diet for me to be on? <laughs> Which is a question you're going to get probably this afternoon once we stop recording this. I get uh, it on the daily. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but, and this obviously, right. We're we're all learning and and, and our opinions, we're we're getting more insight and more clarity and more wisdom. But what, how would you answer that in the spring of 2020? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I would start by finding out what your goals are. I would, I would use a variety of different tools and our conversation to help determine what diet is best for you. Um, I mean, I know what I know now, and I know more truth around diet and nutrition and biochemistry than I ever have, but it really comes down to what diet are you going to do consistently, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
if you say that that you're on keto, but you go off every weekend and have a pizza and donuts and, you know, regular soda. You're not keto. You're not doing keto. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to reevaluate that. But, uh, you know, I would start by just seeing what your goals are. We, mm-hmm. we do the body composition testing here. How many pounds of body fat do you need to take off of your frame? Um, do we need to increase your muscle mass? Uh, you know, what's your resting metabolic rate? There's a lot of different factors yeah. that go into determining that. But my baseline um, advice would or uh, assessment would be to find out what you're currently eating, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, That's a great, you know, great and we designed that question that what's worked in the past. Yeah. What have you tried in the past and what's worked for you? And, uh, you know, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about mm-hmm. it? And here's what I know to be true now. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to unlearn some truths that we've had in the past. Like, when I propose time-restricted eating to some patients that are big breakfast eaters, it's hard for them to wrap their head around that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to just work on one of the levers, which is dietary restriction or mm-hmm. caloric restriction first, and then we'll introduce the time-restricted eating later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how I would approach it. There is a lot of wisdom in what you just said on a lot of points and a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can, if I didn't know you, I would know based on that answer that you're a pro at this because non-pros ask surface questions. Mm -hmm. Really talented non-pros ask multiple surface layered questions, Mm -hmm. but pros ask really elegant surface questions and immediately based on the response, go deeper. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I love what we do here. I mean, mm-hmm. the you know, the, another layer is your blood work. Are you are you are you showing signs of metabolic syndrome? What is your hormonal yeah. and biochemical environment? Exactly. What does it look like? I mean, hormones for us as practitioners were a game changer. Yeah. I mean, you've stated that. Yeah. You know, you could you could take people so far with diet, but then if their thyroid is is not optimized, they're they're mm-hmm. trying to to win a losing game. So there's so many layers to it. And that's what I would suggest to people is find a practitioner that will look at all of those different layers, not just throw a a 1,200-calorie low-carb diet at you. So let's itemize this for for our listeners so they have some marching orders as we kind of wrap up. If I heard you correctly, and I didn't take notes. I didn't take any notes, but I I think I have it. To, To the answer of what is the best diet for me to be on, number one is... Identify the goal. Is that what? Yeah, I would start with what is your goal? Because we have a lot of patients that come in that don't need to lose weight, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, but uh, metabolically, they're not showing that they could be the the best optimal Mm -hmm. uh, person that they could be or or hormonally. Yeah. What are the goals? Yep. Um, I love that. Do you ever ask, well, how long do you want to give yourself to... Be- because people's ambition, managing expectations, I find personally oh, yeah. layering in, great, you want to lose 47 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful, in a perfect world, how long would you give yourself to lose that weight? That's a so, great question. So that I can have them tell me, oh, oh, you want to do that in six months? Mm-hmm. All right, we've got to get cracking. Mm-hmm. That's totally possible. But if you're like, oh, well, the next year or... The, the goal of losing 47 is really my goal, but it's more of a long-term goal. I really just want to get healthy. Yeah. Right. So if this happened in a year or 18 months, that would be acceptable. And I, I help them kind of frame 
because managing expectations, because discouragement is uh, not your friend. Right. It'll kill momentum. Mm -hmm. Okay, so identifying goal and potentially identifying a timeline. uh, And then what what would be the third step? Um, I don't know. What did I say? (laughs) Uh, uh, Play the track back. Um, uh, I believe you said... um, I was just ranting. What has worked in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and do you have any type of either personal, religious, or palate restrictions? Right. Uh, obviously, if you have issues with eating animal-based things mm-hmm. for you know, some moral, ethical, or religious reason, keto ain't your thing. Right. Um, and, but the good news is you can win without being on keto if that yeah. – but, but you can also win on keto. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, what's worked before? Any limitations? And then I think I heard you say, well, what is the state of the union biochemically? Correct. Are there any things at play mm-hmm. that are disadvantages that we need to address? Yeah. Um, and then walking it out. Yeah. And then picking something. Mm-hmm. And you may or may not layer in fasting right away based on overwhelm. That's right. Yeah. No, I, and, love that. And I actually don't do that, but that's that's really neat. Yeah. I, like, I, like I mean, that a I lot. know you come out of the gate pretty fast and hard Smoking on guns. fasting, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, probably should do that. But no, no, you know. no, no. Uh, it's called the practice yeah. of medicine, and it's the an art. art. That's right. And, and 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 you practice your art in the way that is right for gen justice. Mm -hmm. And and I do what's right for me. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as our North star is the well-being of the patient we're taking care of, I think that we are, we can't be wrong. No, I mean, a perfect example is a female patient I met with recently and she feels very pressured and overwhelmed to fix everything at once. She, Mm -hmm. you know, her husband owns a CrossFit gym. So she's like, I got to get back and do the 630 class, you know, and Mm. uh, I've, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I stopped her and I said, hold on. I said, we're working on one thing at a time. The first thing we're going to do is get you feeling better to where you want to do those things. So let's correct your hormones and then we'll move on. And she was just, you could just see the weight of the world melt off of her shoulders. Just It's a great feeling. You know, and I, th- mm-hmm. I thought, we've got your whole life to do this. Let's yeah. just get you feeling good so you feel like doing all the things that you want to do. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the things I wrote down before we did this show that I wanted to see if there was a perfect opportunity to, to share it in this episode and and you teed me up perfectly. (laughs) So thank you for not knowing it, but ending up doing it. You're welcome. Last week I was reading, um, and I heard something that I just could not get out of my head for several days. So I wrote it down and I think it's a very elegant statement that encompasses that example of that patient you just talked about. Mm -hmm. And that is in a 2020 world, where we have information at our fingertips. There's nothing we can't know if we have access to the, the web and we have curiosity. Um, the statement was, if you are lacking breakthrough in your life in 2020, it used, uh, I'm, I'm butchering it, sorry. Um, that in 2020, if you continue to struggle with breakthrough, It used to be that you lacked insight 
or knowledge and you were ignorant. Mm -hmm. We no longer are lacking in breakthrough because of ignorance. We're lacking in breakthrough because of overwhelm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Overwhelm. And, and listen, you, I'm talking to you as if you don't know. But you, we deal with some of the most amazing people ever. Yeah. The amount of overwhelm that most of them feel is stunning. Mm-hmm. It is my feeling that most humans... Because we have access to so much information, we're no longer ignorant. We have all kinds of information, mm-hmm. but we don't have any real wisdom. Yeah. What do I do with this? And you immediately become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Your ability to help this incredibly intelligent, free-thinking, powerful woman not go down that trail of feeding her overwhelm, that is a, that is a gift. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No, no it, it felt really good for it, both of us. It, it, it re- <laughs> she it gave re- me a hug when she left. <laughs> it really is. And I, I just, I, I hope, you know, if one person hears that and says, wow, because that had a real big impact on me this last week as I've been just kind of in my quiet time thinking about, you know, just thinking about thinking, just, just yeah. what I do. I, I was thinking, man, that was really profound. Most people are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Whereas 10 years ago, people, uh, might not be overwhelmed, but they were still struggling with their breakthrough, but it was because they don't know a tip or a trick or a, or a tactic. Mm -hmm. Like if they just knew what keto was, they could work. Yeah. But now it's like, it's, it's got nothing to do with knowing about keto or knowing about fill in the blank. It's, ah, I have too many options. Oh yeah. Um, it's so good. Thank you for sharing that story. I didn't oh, know you yeah. were going to share welcome. that story. That's a good one. And I hadn't heard that story. That's a good one. Well, I, I listen, guys, I hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, this is something Jen and I, um, we never stop talking about. So um, we tried our best to kind of package our thoughts in a way that we could provide some uh, behind the curtain of, of the way we think about things. Jen, do you have any famous last words before we... You always off. put me on the spot. But I do this time. Wait. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, Jen Justice has famous <laughs> last words. I think um, that the question you have posed today of not what you should be eating but when is huge. Mm-hmm. It's made a huge difference in my life. It, it makes a difference in my patients' lives. And I think my advice would be to just be open-minded that you may need to unlearn some prior dogma or thoughts or um, systems that you've had in place around your diet. But once you are open-minded about that, it can be a huge game changer, you know, uh, again, depending on your goal. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that just switching your thinking to asking that question is going to be huge, however it applies to your life. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, Jen, it's always a pleasure. It's great to be back. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. Bye. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. 
You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.